coming apart! Oh, mother of God, I'm coming apart! Right, we're jumping right in. Our first official episode of season two. We have the Amityville Horror. Erica's wheel of cinema again landed on her movie. <laughs> so uh, we decided to start here. And I think for me, I'm the only one that hasn't seen it, right? You guys both had seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jen, you remember seeing this. You said you've seen both. I have seen both. So I, I didn't know at the time it was Amelie Horror, but I definitely seen it. Like some of the scenes, I was like, oh my gosh, I was a child, but I do remember seeing this. Yeah, it was an interesting experience for me watching this movie just because it's it's one of those movies that has a lot of lore, right? There's a lot of hype kind of behind it. Obviously, if you remake a classic, the classic has to be good. Um, we can dive into yeah. our opinion, overall opinion a little bit later. Uh, but just to start off, Erica, I'll start with you since this is your movie. Uh, what what excites you about this movie? What is it that makes you so excited about the Amityville Horror? I really think it has... I mean, it stems through my whole family on both sides. Like, my cousins on my dad's side, my aunt, and then even, like, my mom. We're just huge horror movie buffs. So... You name it, I have probably seen it. Now, we're talking about, like, the traditional horror. So, like, you have, like, the classic horror where it's, like, um, Halloween, when you have, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, all that stuff, as well as, like, The Exorcist, uh, The Amityville Horror, Rosemary's Baby. Um, Those were movies that my family grew up with, and my parents both being like the youngest on both sides of their family they were like dragged along sometimes to like watch those in the theater um so they're just movies that have like really stuck with our family and bring a lot of enjoyment the amityville horror in particular i think might have been one of the first horror movies i ever saw so it kind of it introduced you to the genre yeah, and then to to know that it is based on a true story of like you know Ronald DeFeo Jr. like murdering his family in this house, right. and then it was like demon possession that um, made him do it. Excuse the dogs, in case you guys can hear it. Official mascot of the Yeah, they're a lively bunch around here. Um, so the fact that like it was a real story like intrigued me even more so those are typically the type of movies that i like to gravitate towards okay and jen what was your introduction to like the horror genre did you also was that big in your family or do you remember the first kind of horror movie you watched so it is not big in my family like no one in my family likes watching scary movies but when i was younger there was one movie I watched. It was called The Evil Lamp. Mm. And it was about this possessed lamp <laughs> in the house that would tell, I think, to tell the kids to go do bad shit or, like, tell people to kill oh, wow. people. But it freaked me out because we had a very similar lamp in our household. <laughs> and then I would, like, I would fuck with scary movies. But then Paranormal Activity, mm. like, it, I, it, it did me over. I didn't watch another scary movie for... Like seven, eight wow. years. Wow. Is it because you think, like, I, I would imagine for paranormal activity, it's almost a th- like it's it's believable. Like, you you could believe that kind of thing happening at yeah. your house. Or- 
I also thought it was based on a true story, but it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like the Blair Witch Project, right? That the, the marketing that goes into it is is almost as important yeah. as the movie itself. Well, in those totally, movies, totally. they do really successful when it's a little bit more believable. Like, okay, wait, did this actually happen? Like, mm-hmm. is this a real story? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm invested to like what's happening right now. Yeah. Right. So for for me. It, the movie, the horror movie that I remember getting introduced to was probably Halloween. Like my my cousins oh. were very big into Michael Myers and just the whole vibe of Halloween. And I actually got a lot of those vibes in this movie. We could touch on what specifically a little bit later, but I definitely felt a lot of other horror movies in this movie. Now, what came first? What inspired what? That That's a fair argument to have uh there's a lot of the shining yeah. the shining was in this the vibe but the shining came out the year following in 1980 right so um it was really interesting watching this movie and for me it was my first time so i didn't really know what to expect and it had been a long time since i watched yeah. an old movie that i hadn't seen so that was exciting yeah so you were not familiar with the storyline whatsoever. I just knew that it was uh, this, the, uh, the kind of the trope. It's a trope now, right? That there was a family that was killed in a house and then mm-hmm. shit goes down. So I kind of knew that yeah. general premise. Yeah. And I don't want to say this is like the original trope for that because I'm not like I mm-hmm. obviously I would never be 100% sure this is like way before our time. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure at this point that Exorcist had already hit theaters like maybe like five or six years prior to this movie. So mm-hmm. the fact that they're starting to um, that they were starting to make movies a little bo- more about like demon possession and like that that fine line, you know, it's like okay, like it like do you believe in this kind of thing or you know is it just like ah oh, it's just a scary movie like whatever. Um, but yeah, the whole trope of like no like the house like there's there's evil things in this world like there's evil things that can like possess you and manipulate you and all that kind of stuff it was a very in my opinion a very scary thing to think about you know Mm -hmm. yeah well you mentioned the exorcist so that came out in 1973 and i would argue that's about Mm -hmm. a good place to say the horror genre just really picked up like after the success of the exorcist i mean to this day, people, adults, will not watch The Exorcist because it's you, you, that's you. You wouldn't watch that, Erica. I ha- that is one horror movie that I have only ever watched once in my life. Wow! No, it- my yeah. mom walked out of the movie theater when my dad took her to go really? watch this. Oh. As soon as her head started spinning, I was like, "I'm getting <laughs> I'm the fuck out of here." I'm out. Well, yeah. and then it, it gets crazy because all of these wild things happen to, like, the actors and actresses right, that, know. like, yeah, these characters. And then, you know, further down the road, the same thing would happen with the poltergeist right. and, like, all these freak acts. Right. Yeah, it's like, okay, this is a little bit a little bit too much for me. Yeah. Too much coincidence. Well, for the Amityville horror, we need to go back in time to July 27th, 1979. Donna Summers is dominating the charts with Bad Girl. Love Donna Summers. Oh, I love Donna Summers so Donna much. Donna Summers was in the replacements, a little degree of, or well, her music was in the replacements, a little mm-hmm. degree of separation there. Uh, Jimmy Carter was president. Yeah. And uh, some other movies that came out the same day as Amityville Horror. Uh, I'm not familiar with them, but I'm sure the genera- <laughs> our parents' generation are. Uh, North Dallas 40, The Lady in Red, 
and Pacific Inferno also released on July 27th. Um, this movie, The Lady in Red. Have you seen it? Yes, I have seen is it. Is it good? I like it. What would the, I thought so? Is it a what's? It, is that where the song came from? It's <laughs> from a. It's for a very particular audience. I want to say. And who's that audience? Me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, poor Erica. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> um. So yeah, Amityville budget was four point seven million. Um. Not not too high of a budget, even for its time. Four point seven million. Uh, Jen, I know you looked at the notes. Erica, I know you didn't. So tell me, what what do you think? What do you, how much money do you think this movie made worldwide? Eighty six point four million dollars. I said Erica since she didn't look at the sheet. <laughs> oh, sorry, your tone was uh, if misleading. If it's <laughs> any consolation, I was gonna guess like seventy. Okay, yes, yeah. so Jen, okay. Jen, you're right on the money. Eighty six point four million. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yeah, the movie was directed by Stuart Rosenberg. Uh, it was written. The screenplay was written by Sandor Stern. Uh, originally, a book. This was adapted from a book by Jay Anson. And then the story itself, as we say, it's a loosely true story, is by George Lutz. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The three main stars we have here: James Brolin, Margot Kidder, and Rod Steiger. Can I just say? I could not recognize Rod Steiger in this movie comparing him to Mars Attacks. Like that's all I really know him from also is Mars Attacks and he looks so different. I mean, like look at the yeah. look at the gap of years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Father Delaney, he, he aged poorly. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when when we jump into this movie, uh, it's really interesting cuz like again, for me, I don't know what to anticipate. So I really went into it with what the movie sets out to do and just puts you in angst like what's gonna happen the whole feeling is like what's gonna happen uh the movie opens up with the real Mm -hmm. estate agent you know doing her damnedest to sell this house to the lutz family uh you know she's doing great she's doing a great job selling like she even said oh it's a little fixer upper (laughs) that's that's putting it lightly yeah um and then one thing that i this kind of set the tone of the movie is right after that father delaney arrives at the house right and he goes into the house. He's looking for the Lutz family. He goes up to the room. And that's where all... How do you just walk into a stranger's house like that? I was very confused, like, looking for him in every single room. It's a little... It's like, did they call? Intrusive. Like, who is this? Like, why is this guy just walking into the house? Granted, it's 1979. Yeah. It's a different time. But nonetheless, like... Yeah, I was very surprised. Also, that was my question. Serial killers, serial <laughs> killers are just on the brink. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, but yeah, he gets up there, and then just a horde of flies like embody his whole head and just swarm. Apparently, fun fact, uh, uh, I, I believe they used butter. They put butter on his head to attract the flies. Oh, so. That's disgusting. You wouldn't do that? You don't, you don't oh. do that? How much money to get some butter on you? I love butter. I wouldn't waste it on my it, head. It'd be the I'd popcorn <laughs> butter from the movie theaters that you're so excited about. <laughs> oh, by the way, I went to the movies, Erica, and yes. the popcorn butter was outside. You could pump your own butter. I was so happy. I was super, super stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, that's arguably, uh, for me, that is arguably one of the most terrifying parts of the movie. Yeah, I agree. When that house is telling him 
it's just a whisper at first. And then he demands that he get out of the house. Yeah. And you're just arguably like, that still terrifies me. Obviously, I love horror movies, but that still to this day, like, if I were to hear a voice to tell me to get out of wherever I am, oh, man, am I getting out of that house? Uh, you know, I, it might be my second favorite scene in the movie. Well, we'll get on my favorite scene later. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was really well done. And because it happened at the beginning of the movie, I thought it was just going to continue to kind of blow, like, uh-huh. go, in that, go in that direction, right? Um, a couple other things that happened that I thought were kind of funny. Uh, Kathy, the wife, arrives with the groceries. And she has, like, two bags of groceries while George is chopping wood. And she drops one of the bags and she proceeds to blame him. Like, look what you made me do. And in my mind, I'm like, wait, this is, hold on, hold on. This is right about <laughs> when he starts. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> this is right when he starts to lose it. So how much of it is the house? How much is it this strenuous relationship? So. Oh, Jane, Jane looks appalled. In my, humble, <laughs> in my humble, single life opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um. You could argue that they are both already feeling the stress of the mm. house. Obviously, we see it a little bit more realistic with him mm-hmm. because Ronald DeVale was the person who was, like, prompted to kill his family. So it's like he's going to feel it a little bit more. You're going to see it a little bit more with him. But arguably, they're mm. both being stressed out by the house already, whether they know it or not. Obviously, at this point, they don't know it. But she does try to call him to ask for help. So... Uh, I must... I must. I, oh, I, I misinterpreted I must have misheard the entire that. I didn't even scene. hear that. What did, I thought she dropped the bag because she was like, this motherfucker's still chopping wood. Like, look at all the wood you have. I think it could be all of the yeah, above. So, yeah. Yeah. So he, she calls his name because she needs help with the groceries. And then this is where it gets her fault. She tries to pick up the bag anyway. Like, girl, <laughs> you ain't got no handles on those bags. Make two trips. Like, I ain't no two trip, I, bitch. <laughs> I must have missed him um, her calling yeah. his name because I thought she legit got the bags out, dropped one, and then proceeded to, <laughs> to blame George. I was like, Jesus. The, the no. Aquarius who doesn't want to see yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> select, selective hearing. <laughs> really attacking my astrology today, Erica. That's okay. Um, so then one other uninvited guest or maybe invited guest their nun friend arrives out of the blue yeah um she goes into the i have thoughts about she her. goes into the house and like immediately gets sick kind of like the father and is like i gotta get out of here kathy's like no george what kind of friend it was just all weird what kind of friend is she it was all weird and this happened like she if i if it was it was sorry no, go no, ahead i'm sorry go ahead. <laughs> i'm just saying like if you were at your friend's house and you were like, oh my God, I feel something weird. What, would you lie about it and say you felt sick? Like, go tell your well, friend. She didn't, Yo, but your she house didn't know. Haunted. She didn't know that at that point. She knew. She knew. Mm, I don't know. I think she well, knew. This... Like, the look on her face as it was happening, like, she knew it was happening. But if happening. she knew, then why did she even go there? Right? 
She didn't know until she was there. Oh, saying, and then she felt all weird. And she knew what it was at that point, is what you're saying? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yes. at that point, that's when, like, all the sludge is coming out of the toilets and, like, just weird shit is going on. Um, but again, I found it weird that this nun just makes herself at home and walks <laughs> walks into the house. Yeah. Um, George gets lost in the fire. He, they got a fire going, and Kathy's trying to talk to him uh, in a little nice little nightgown. Kathy really likes these nightgowns. There's a couple times she came out looking real uh, seductive. <laughs> Well, you also have to remember they are newlyweds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's true. It could be her just uh, sure trying to trying to so, keep it spicy. Keep the honeymoon phase going strong. Uh, yeah. um, well, it's interesting you say that because as the movie progresses, you also learn that George is now stepfather to her three kids, um, and and that kind of plays a component too with the way the house impacts them. The way George starts treating the kids, he gets real kind of verbally aggressive. And interestingly enough, as well, I mean, I'm st- skipping ahead, but when the babysitter with the uh, headgear got poor girl, <laughs> when when she gets trapped in the closet and can't get out, once the Kathy and George get home, they start blaming the daughter. And even Kathy, like, doubles down. So back to your point of saying the house is working on everyone. If only R. Kelly was there to help with Trapped in the Closet. (laughs) Right. You know, it's funny. As soon as I saw the mirror in their bedroom that has, like, that kind of gold, like, super 78, I was like, shit is going down in this room. Something. Oh, yeah. This house is haunted. And sure enough, there was, like, an awkward sex scene in that. Like, they're, like, just laying on top of each other kissing, but it's, like, a montage. It was kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It's kind of hot. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think it was a little, I think it was still a little bit scandalous for the time. Like, I still totally. think that, like, you had people who were willing to, and then to show the goods and all that Wait, kind of are, stuff. Sorry, are I we, still think you had. Are you talking about in real life sorry. or you mean in movies? The movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like, like, you think people were getting down like that in the 70s just oh lay on top God. of each other no i meant more of like in the movies it was still really Taboo. scandalous no. you know agreed to show those kind of scenes in a regular movie and look 2021 where we are now you got this bridgerton you got game of thrones you got <laughs> jesus christ uh anyways um funny scene that i don't think was supposed to be funny Father Delaney and Father Bolin are driving in their car. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the steering wheel stiffens up. The brakes don't work. Father Delaney goes to grab the wheel. And he does the worst acting in the world where he's like, oh, my hand. And it's just, like, so corny. And then the hood and then the <laughs> hood pops up so they can't see where they're going. I immediately thought of which Chris Farley movie? <laughs> Tommy Boy, right? <laughs> I immediately thought of Tommy Boy. This has turned into a comedy. 
I'm dead. Uh, and then, yeah, this movie had a lot of weird stuff happening, too. It's like, and then there's a wedding. Some guy named Jimmy. Like, did he get introduced anywhere in the movie up until this point? No, I believe it's her brother. Is, okay. Somebody's brother. Like, they're, it's, they're, he's related to somebody in some form or fashion. The wife, for sure. I, I just re- yeah. I just remember watching yeah. this and being like... Wait, there's a wedding? Like, where did this come from? Who's this guy? And the money that went missing for the caterer? Like, that whole thing just mm-hmm. manifested immediately. There's, like, no real context or backstory. There's no real context, but I think it's meant to tell us, like, there's things that are just going to keep aggravating him. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Lutz. I, I, I suppose. It, it just seemed really weird, like, the way they introduced new characters. And then the yeah. other character they introduced out of the blue was, like, his business partner that came to check on him. And he's like, yeah. you haven't been at work to pay payroll. Like, I don't remember hearing anything about, like, George's work or response. Yeah. Did. And it just came out yeah. of nowhere, right? Yeah. Um, so those things kind of threw me off. Uh, nonetheless, a lot of more weird stuff happens in the movie. Uh, Kathy's face begins to boil in age. Uh, they discover the portal to hell that uh, our boy Harry, the dog, discovers. Um, yeah. And then that co-worker's wife ends up wanting to investigate further. Anyways, a lot of crazy stuff happens. Um, I, a couple scenes I don't want to talk, talk about yet because they're my categories. Um, but overall, how did we feel about the movie? Erica, I know you love it all the way. But Jen, what what would you take away? I, think I love it more of like for a nostalgia thing, mm. though. Like as you like watch it as you get older, obviously, like we're a couple decades away from when that movie first came sure. out. But like overall, like I, it's it's just it's a scary movie. Like it's it scares me to this day. Interesting. Okay. I like it. I think it's really good. Like I I appreciate when it came out and I appreciate what it tried to do. And I think it's really good. Yeah. I really like it. When you're rolling off that too, I appreciate all of the movies that I've tried to like remake it. Mm. Yeah. And have been unsuccessful (laughs) Um, in my opinion, in my humble podcast opinion. uh, There's been quite a few that have been remade. Like remakes of this movie. Initially, Jen, you seemed disappointed that we weren't doing Ryan Reynolds. Uh, after, after, I really like the you... remake. It's so scary. It's really good. Like I compared it while I was watching, and some of the scenes, I was like, "Oh, they do it so much better in the remake because of the." <laughs> sure, I'll have to give that one a try. See, see yeah. how I feel about it. You should. So one thing we want to do here at season two that we didn't do as much in season one is kind of focus a little bit on our degree of separation. So what we decided is we're going to start off with Margot Kidder. Um, before doing the podcast, before, you know, Amityville, did you, were you guys familiar with her and her work at all? Mm-mm. I had known her from Superman as well. Right. So, like, I had seen this movie and the that Superman. She, I think even to this day, I still use her as a template for Lois Lane. You know what I mean? Like, when they came out with uh, yeah. I think it's Amy Adams. Is it Amy? Yeah, Amy Adams in the yeah. Man of Steel. Like, I'm like, oh, that's not Lois Lane. I mean, she does great for the movie. It's great. But, yeah, same. I was familiar yeah, with... Talk smack about my girl Amy. <laughs> no, I love me some... I'm, I'm a fan. I got stuck. I'm a fan. But uh, Margot Kidder, um, 
wow, fascinating, sad life uh, for Margot. Um, I, I came across a lot of facts. I'll try to just go over some of the things. Uh, she was originally born in Canada. She's Canadian. Um, and her parents, uh, one was a teacher, one was a mining engineer. Um, unfortunately, she had mental issues uh, even at a young age. Uh, even at the age of 14 was the first time she tried to kill herself. And then the next day, and then the oh, next God. day she would be perfectly fine. Um, you know, it didn't help. Her dad had a hectic schedule moving around, which caused her to attend 11 schools in 12 years. Um, oh yeah. My yeah, it was pretty intense. But she, this did bring her to her first school play, uh, which was Romeo and Juliet, where she got to play the lead of Juliet. Um, she had some other uh, roles that came out. Uh, one that some people might know is Quaxer Fortune has a cousin in the Bronx. The only reason I mentioned that, <laughs> the what? only reason I mentioned that 1970 movie is because she co-starred with Gene Wilder. You guys know Gene Wilder. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Er- Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Just making, <laughs> making sure. Um, fast forward. She ended up moving um, to Hollywood and she lived in a beach house. So not really Hollywood, but you know, outside of California. Everyone thinks it's the same thing. Uh, and in this beach house, she actually befriended other, at the time, struggling filmmakers, such as Martin Scorsese, Brian De Palma, Ooh. Steven Spielberg, and Susan Sarandon, among others. So <laughs> that's a good circle to be in, right? Um, in 78, just before this movie, is when she came out in Richard Donner, Rests in Peace, uh, his directing film called Superman. And she went on to make Superman 2, Superman 3, Superman 4. Um, fast forward, um, she did have some issues. Her mental issues continued to plague her. Uh, she she would go into full fits of paranoia. She sank into bipolar disorder. She panicked. Um, she, would, she would often tell people that she had been raped and was like running away. She even faked her death. So she had a lot of stuff going on go ahead erica sorry um i'd just like to make a slight correction please uh let's use mental health issues what did i say not mental issues i'm sorry you're sa- you've been saying mental issues sorry. i just want to say mental health i'm trying to read through issues. everything and how do you know that she like claimed rape and didn't really get raped and no one believed her uh for, again listen i'm just the messenger okay <laughs> i <laughs> i'm not making these claims i'm going off of her imdb page imdb page um, okay i think okay. it's a matter that's a fair question i think the the actual statement is uh she created for herself these psychological problems which is interesting to say that she created for herself nonetheless in her fantasizing that her first husband was going to kill her so she left her home and faked her death and i think she used like rape as like a justification maybe i don't know i mean it's like gone yeah. girl this, this gone was girl. this was back in 1996 <laughs> yeah. um since then you know she, she i mean after that point she did get uh an intervention um she got back on her feet she actually started a mental wellness campaign, mental health wellness campaign. Uh, <laughs> and since then, she even continued her, her career uh, in Canada doing a stage production of the Vagina Monologues. Um, one quote that I really liked of hers was, nudity in the flesh doesn't bother me, but having my mind uncovered, that scares the hell out of me. Ooh. Margot... 
Margot died May 13th, 2018 in Livingston, Montana. Whew, that's a lot. What it, <laughs> for, for like for us, just thinking of her as Lois Lane, I definitely had no context of kind of her personal life and and thank you for correcting me, Erica. It's really important when <laughs> the way the words we use, right? Um and yeah. it just shows like mental health problems is a spectrum and you know some people have severe cases and some people are more functional but nonetheless uh she did i thought she did an incredible job in this movie um like i was saying i was getting a lot of uh the shining vibes especially when he's got the axe to the door right i mean that's it's 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 almost (laughs) the same scene uh, and she was much better, and I'm sorry because I know she's been shit on a lot, but much better than Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Like, same kind of role, same kind of position, and I thought Margot yeah. uh, really yeah. did a fantastic job. Interesting. Uh, anything you guys want to touch on about Margot? Any comments, thoughts? God bless her, rest her soul. Yeah. I thought she was so cute, and, like, I, it must have just been the screenwriting at the time, but the script's so wholesome. Right. Like, it does it's a horror movie, but like everything's still so wholesome. The and kids are just running so outside by themselves by the river, playing with the yeah. dog. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Um. Okay, let us jump straight into our award nominations. Um, I do have some fun facts, but this season I kind of wanted to sprinkle them out throughout the episode. Uh, one thing I'll say is the picture of uh, the original killer right the the one that like killed his family the picture that we see in the movie they mm-hmm. actually use james brolin's brother and that's why it looks that's why oh, it looks so much like that's it, why it right? looks so oh. good yeah i definitely did a lot of double takes and like is that actually yeah <laughs> really it looks really similar. one one i actually got a little bit of goosebumps reading this because i'm a nerd but uh at around 20 minutes while uh kathy margot kidder is washing dishes She's humming the love theme from Superman. Ah, isn't that great? Aww. I didn't oh, know I that. You go back 20 minutes in. She's doing dishes. Did you catch that? Or did no, you I read, read about it. it after I read it. I didn't like... even catch it. But, oh, okay. But I'm okay. definitely going to listen to some uh, uh, John Williams Superman and listen to the love theme, see if I can catch it in the movie. <laughs> um, I know I said I was going to sprinkle these fun facts, but now that I'm here looking at it. <laughs> I can't. He's like, I'm just in it. <laughs> uh, this movie was shot in seven weeks. Um, what else you got? Mm-hmm, oh. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, let's see. The cinematographer, Fred Cohen Camp, uh, admitted having a hard time filming these scenes with the flies as he claimed to be scared of insects. <laughs> oh my god some fear factor shit he, he, said, oh, he says that whenever he was to film a scene with a close-up facial shot of a fly right in the camera he would look away or close his eyes and hope for a good shot <laughs> he Aww. he lost nearly 30 pounds because he refused to eat saying the flies made him lose his appetite yo <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> damn Oh my god! Uh, some potential, some potential uh, casting. Harrison Ford was co- in consideration for George Lutz. Um, I could see that. You don't think so? I can't. I could see I it. I just think like Blade Runner. Blade I Runner. See, I think Harrison. I can't see it because James Brolin in this movie is so scary. Like 
He is yeah. though. He's yeah. Like he does. when his eyes are like all red and his beard, just everything about him, I'm like, you're scary. <laughs> yeah. However, I feel. He looks wild and However, I feel about this movie. Roland stole it. He was fantastic. He was fantastic. Yeah, this whole thing. great. Like, I, you couldn't recast him. Great. Uh, but some other people that were considered. But they did. But they did. Later. Some people <laughs> that were considered. Burt, Burt Reynolds. Uh, James Cam. And interestingly enough, Christopher Reeve. Superman himself. Wow. Uh, Margot Kidder went on the record with her friends that she hated the film. uh james brolin said he didn't get a job for two years after doing this movie because of the cruelty of his character however he started night of the juggler in 1980 a year later a year later high risk in 1981 yeah yeah uh yeah so, fun facts there. Let's jump into our categories. If I think of any other ones, I'll, I'll, I'll throw them out there. But our first one, good old potent quotable. Is this movie a potent quotable? Um, How dare you, Erica? Don't even. Don't even. No. Yeah, don't even. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Don't even try. Yeah. No, not, this, it wasn't meant to be. Like, I think there's maybe one yeah, or two lines. No. That, there's not... There's not a whole lot of dialogue, which I know it makes it scarier. Sure. But doesn't make it a quote unquoteable. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I do think that if you were to quote anything, it would be the whole old school scary movie setup of like no background music mm. and just sound effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely how they made the films back then. Um, int- introducing yeah. a new category for this season: the no fly zone. Is there anything in this movie that would not fly in 2021? Anything that would get them canceled, if you will. I'm going to say no, Mm. and I'm only going to say no because they've remade this movie maybe like twice. I know they were trying to reboot it a couple years ago, and it just like was unsuccessful because you have the wrong people in it. But I don't think that there's anything in the movie that like wouldn't really, that wouldn't fly. Especially I don't like, think so either. Especially with like the amount of horror movies, like The Conjuring Universe, like uh, Insidious, mm. uh, Sinister, all of those. I I think it would be it would be fine. Do horror movies get away with a lot more because it's a horror movie? Like to to your point that you just said, right? The Conjuring, like these different Get Out. Let's look at Get Out. I mean, they're t- touching on heavy racial uh, topics. Do you think horror movies are kind of have that luxury of getting away with more things? I think they do, but I also think, like, the horror movies that are out, like, they're not really, like, they're not focused on things that would get them canceled, you know what I mean? Like, it's not about, it's not about any of this other kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what you're saying, like, Get Out and Us, there's, like, heavy, like, racial undertones, but it's not, like... (laughs) Cancelable. It's not demeaning to those races, you know? It's just, like, uh, bringing light those situations. Uh, I think that horror films get away more with like religious aspects mm, and touching on mm, certain religious yes. notes. I think that it's the time and era of when Jordan Peele's movies came mm. out. So that's, I think that's a whole but, different That's, uh, that's specifically category. typing into the zeitgeist intentionally to have a commentary on it versus like just doing something. Right. Like one thing I would think of that's like super 
crude or gory is like the human centipede, right? Or, oh. or like saw things that are just more graphically disturbing, I think is like the line horror tries to walk. And for me, I put those in a completely different category than these movies. Oh, and what category is that? Yeah. I would put them in more of like a gore horror mm. than like a traditional horror film. Like a slasher. Yeah, like you right? have like your slashers, you have your gore, you have like your psychological horrors, you have, you know, a religious horror, which is kind of like more along like these lines. Like the demonic realm versus like, no, these people just want to do like twisted fucked up things to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So... It, there, this is a completely fly zone. Clear for takeoff in this movie. No issues there. Tell me, what is your oh shit moment of this movie? See, this is why you read the notes, Erica, because then you're ready with your answer. I think mine was when the cat screamed through the okay. window. When the cat screamed, it scared the crap out of that me. That did scare the crap out of me. I think my it kind of comes a little bit later. Kind of when they're, um, I don't know, it's between, like, her face, like, when you finally see, like, Margot Kidder's face, Kathy Lutz's face, like, boiling yeah. and bubbling and, like, aging. She's yeah. looking in that, that one, I was she's like, looking in that mirror with a gold. She looks in the you. mirror, you're kind of like, that's kind of like, oh, shit, oh, shit, like, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And then when the walls are bleeding. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, like, that's a, so like a, oh, shit, this is really going down right now. So, so my yeah. oh, shit moment. I also have issue with, but I'll start with the oh shit moment is when essentially Kathy is having the dream that George killed the daughter and then fucking comes with the axe straight to the middle of her head and they show it like they show him like yeah. come fucking cut her in half pretty much. Uh, I was like, <laughs> oh shit, like <laughs> it's going, it's going down. That was scary. Um, one issue I had though is when she's having this dream, she wakes up and he's right next to her asleep. But during the scene, he's downstairs, like, freaking out, like, rolling out that rug. And he trips over that, like, Asian dragon-looking thing. So it, it was like a continuity error in the movie. I'm like, wait, he's not laying in bed with her. He, she's, he went downstairs. To, he's like, this is my goddamn house. Do you remember that? Well, it's argued that he is also dreaming next to her. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I can see that. See, but I'd have to go back and see, like, do they both get up out of bed? as the movie progresses then like at what point does the dream end then you get what i mean or is the end of the movie yeah <laughs> i think it was yeah was it all Inception. a dream um, yeah i think it's just kind of meant to be a little bit more of like a parallel okay and then it focuses more on her aspect because then when she wakes up she's like he killed his whole family like he murdered blah, blah, blah. yeah yeah I don't know. I got, maybe I got to go back and look at that. But I saw it as a continuity error. And then also, again, this is just me being cynical. When George trips over the, the like dragon, the Asian dragon statue, it's so such a fake bad fall. Like <laughs> he like doesn't even touch it. He's like, oh, just falls and eats it. But that's all right. Nineteen seventy nine. Nineteen seventy. It's a little corny. At it's, it's a bit corny. Oh, my hand, Father Delaney. It's so good. Um, Okay, underrated character. Did we have one? Jen, you tell me. Let's start it off. Did you have a character that felt... Jody. Oh, the... Jody, the ghost that locked the babysitter in the door or in the closet. Great answer. I like that. 
She played a pretty large role in the movie. And we didn't really get introduced to Jodi other than, like, casual conversation. Like, she just kind of came up. Very, like, shining again, Red Rum. I felt I felt that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, like, the daughter slash Jodi as well. Yeah, like, I like that. It's underrated because, like, you're not quite sure. Like like you said, you're not quite sure who Jodi is throughout the whole movie. But she's really fucking things up for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking Jodi. Uh, my underrated character is Harry the dog. Let me tell you why. Oh, Harry found the goddamn hell portal. Okay, and they could have done like nobody wants to see a dog get in danger, right? And they could have totally teased him being in danger more, us falling in love with the dog more, um, just to kind of play on that angst. I thought they really could have kind of introduced him a little earlier and got us to fall in love with the relationship they have the dog so that when he's in trouble or danger it just brings that much more anxiety to the viewing experience yeah i feel that uh hot takes this is going to be the fun part do you ladies have any hot takes about this movie about the whole situation anything any hot take any hot take about the movie a character I think it happened. Okay, so you think? I think 100% like, for true. sure. I think for sure. Like, I mean, I I believe you can convince me of a lot of things, like the paranormal, the celestial, all that kind of stuff. And for me, like this story, super believable. Mm. Fun fact. I also agree that I think it totally could have happened because it wasn't just this family. There were multiple families afterwards where. They would come after they, the families left and, like, they had meals on the table. Like, they left in a hurry. So I definitely think that the house was possessed. Let me let me get my opportunity to sprinkle fun facts throughout the pod here. Uh, Brolin okay. actually spent a lot of time with uh, George, uh, talking to him, hearing the story and everything. After all that time, after filming and everything, uh, Brolin said he didn't believe he didn't believe their story. So... Though he acted in it, though he did a fantastic job, he never actually believed any of that happened. So, fun fact. My hot take. You ready, Erica? I feel like you're going to come after me. This isn't a good movie. This is not a good movie. It, it does not. It, I'm tr- Okay, now or like at the time? Yeah, no, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put myself at the time, right? 1979, where, like <laughs> Star, the first Star Wars has come out by this time. The Exorcist has come out by this time and I just feel like you said there's certain directorial and editing techniques that just do not land and it actually takes me out of the viewing experience Um, like we said that whole scene when Father Delaney is upstairs and the flies just come that's one of the most horrifying scenes in the whole movie and it happens in the first like five minutes so it's like this big kind of uh, a bar that's set for a horror movie. Like, what are we? What's going to come next? It's got to be bigger than that, and it never really comes until, for me, that dream sequence where you know it looks like George kills the daughter and, and his wife. Um, go ahead. I think I will agree with you. It is a very long movie. It is long as well, and I don't want to say it's a bad movie because I do enjoy the movie and stuff like that. But like on a a broad scale, yeah, maybe not that great of a movie. Like I said, a lot of it is nostalgia for yeah. me, but it is a very long movie, and 
it, it I, that anxiety kind of like wears off and then spikes back up and then wears off instead of like keeping you up on your toes, which I think nowadays a lot of the horror movies do a very good job of keeping you building, up keeping that heart rate up, 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 and then boom, like you're on yeah. the peak. Whereas like back then, yeah, you peaked a little bit and then it's like this roller coaster of like what's happening. And like you said, there weren't a lot of like, we lost a lot of context without there being a lot mm-hmm. of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Also, why did it take so long for her to go find Father Delaney? Like it took her days. She kept looking for him and wondering why he never showed up and kept calling. She could have just driven over down. To I mean, the that's the church. old like, why are these white people still staying in this shitty situation? <laughs> it's like, it's like okay, get okay, out that's of here. True. That's flies. true. Oh, and then the window fell on the son's hand, and like they could, oh, oh, yeah. they couldn't open it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like all these things happen. It's like, eh, let's stick it out. It's only been two weeks. It's like, no, get out. The voice told the father, "Get out." Um. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so we all agree it's not a good movie. Got it. Anyways, moving forward. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, one thing I was going to say, sorry. Um, when you were talking about, like, for its time, The Shining came out the next year, 1980. And I feel like The Shining does absolutely everything the same as far as building tension without a huge payoff, but does it masterfully. You know what I mean? Like, we see that transformation. We see the house really transform Jack Nicholson uh, in The Shining and, and and kind of the son having his power. Like It's kind of like you're saying, if we knew more about uh, Lodi, Jody, sorry. <laughs> Lodi, that's a Snoop, that, that's a Snoop Dogg song. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, I think we if we would have dove more into that dynamic, the house and Jody and yeah. just the transformation, that would have been nice. Which the 2005 film goes into that a lot more, which might make it like a little bit more satisfying. Mm. But you also have to understand that a lot of people were very well aware of this story mm. back then. Sure, that's, that's true. It's very relevant. So like it was very relevant. It was very like, oh, like they're doing like a movie on this and it really happened. And you had like a lot of believers and, you know. You got to take that into consideration. Very much. That's well, they point. might not. They might not have mm-hmm. needed so much of like the details because they already knew it. It would have bored them if anything. They'd been like so oh, interesting though. Like you, you have to know. have been alive during that time to really get it. Then, like, it's not going to age well because there's a lot of miscontext, I guess. Um, yeah, I, there are people who are who are familiar with all this, though. Yeah, there are. I mean. I, I don't want to call you out, Michael, but there are a lot of people who know the story. Who know yeah. the Lutz story, like the DeFeo. Sure. They know all of them. Yep. Um, and I think there's so many, and it's, I, I know you said it doesn't age well, but look at all of the films that have either remade, have, I mean, the Conjuring films mention that house. I mean, Ed and Lorraine Warren ha- have been to that house. Have like acknowledged <laughs> that there was the presence. So like it's still relevant whether you might sure, not think so, but like it's still relevant in present day horror films. One hundred percent. I mean, listen, when I was a kid, Pokemon were big and they're still big. Like I get that there's a hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get that there's a following that sticks with the tradition the whole time, and and you're, I don't feel attacked by you calling me out that I'm not part of that uh, Amityville culture, but. I will say 
after watching it, I do feel like I un- I understand. Like I get that this set the foundation for this kind of haunted house premise on a real large scale. Mm-hmm. So you know, respect. No disrespect to the movie. Just you know, don't dismiss I don't, I don't it. Know if I'll, I don't know <laughs> if I'll watch it again. But favorite scene. I'll do mine first. My favorite scene was actually not scary at all. It was Doctor or sorry, Father Delaney having the argument with the other fathers about how I've I've <laughs> seen what happened, you know, and that he's a he's a psychotherapist, so he's educated. And like he has this big speech where if it was anyone else you'd be like, "All right, you're right. Let's th- there's probably something going on in the house." But these religious uh priests are like, "I don't want to hear your secular shit. Get off your high horse." And let's move on. And then Delaney, Delaney yeah. touches on, oh, so we're just going to cover it up. Ooh, you know, cover up in the Catholic Church is real trigger, is real <laughs> triggering. Unheard of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> real triggering. So when I saw that, I was like, ooh, they're, they're, com- they're bringing their boxing gloves for the Catholic Church here. It was nice. It was, I like that scene. It was good. How about you guys? Probably the fly scene. Like with, with Delaney at the beginning? Yeah, because that's George, like my favorite scene. George has a fly scene too, like towards the end of the movie, where, like, right after the first one, yeah. yeah, with Father Delaney. Okay, Jen. What's funny is my favorite scene is also with Father Delaney. It's um, when he is in church and screaming to God. Give them health of mind and body, that they may do your will with perfect love. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Give them strength of mind and body. Oh, Lord, I beg thee. Give them strength in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it reminded me of the scene from Don't Be a Menace. <laughs> the preachers up there, they're all, Lord, Lord. <laughs> they might have gotten it from there. They, they may have movie. got inspired from Amityville Horror, yeah. And, 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 and what was interesting, that was another moment where it was like the statues were crumbling, right? And then they're, and then they're yeah. not. And I was like, is this yeah. more of like a dream? Like, yeah, the house just really got into everyone's head right i mean that's kind of what yeah the house was meant to manipulate every everybody mm-hmm. who set foot in it all right last topic we'll touch on here and i'm interested to know what you guys think were there any oscar snubs now what i'll do real quick is i'll go to the 1980 academy awards because you know that's recognizes the prior year's film and i'm gonna go over some of the uh, nominees and winners Best Picture nominees were Norma Ray, Breaking Away, Apocalypse Now, All That Jazz, Kramer versus Kramer, which went away with Best Picture, Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, best Director was Robert Benton from Kramer versus Kramer, Bob Fosse, All That Jazz, Coppola, Apocalypse Now, Peter Yates, Breaking Away, and Eduardo Molinaro, La Cage a Folie. I don't know if I said that right at all, but nonetheless, not French it or looks Spanish. French. Uh, fr- <laughs> Were you trying to do French? <laughs> Actually, it's a Franco-Italian comedy. Sorry. 
Okay. <laughs> Butchered. Uh, best actor, Dustin Hoffman for Kramer versus Kramer. He won the award. Jack Lemon, The China Syndrome, Al Pacino and Justice for All, Roy Scheider and All the Jazz, Peter Sellers and Being There. And then Best Actress, uh, Sally Fields and Norma Ray won. Also nominated, Jill Kleber, Jane Fonda in China Syndrome, uh, Marsha Mason. What's China Syndrome? Isn't that what China happened? Syndrome. Is that what Donald Trump thinks is happening Care- right Careful, now? Jen. Careful, Jen. Uh, I didn't, I don't respect that. I'm just saying other people think that's happening. It is a... An, we don't support correct, that here. Thank you. American drama neo-noir thriller filmed and directed by James Bridges and written by Bridges. Uh, the film stars Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon, Michael Douglas, Scott Bradley, James Hampton, uh, and others. So that's some big names. Yeah, Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon, Michael Douglas. Yeah, I don't really think there's an Oscar snub here. I don't think um, so. <laughs> just a, to be fair... Um, throughout the years, like comedies and horror films have not really been super recognized within. Um, how about how about for like the Academy? As far as like uh, like actresses and actors go, I know that like Best Picture and a lot of that has like changed a little bit over the years. But um, yeah, those aren't really films mm-hmm. that. What about like Best Sound or Costume Design or Art Direction? None of that, huh? I don't think so. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. No, no, not award worthy. Um, all right. So that is the Amityville horror. Uh, we are going with Margot Kidder as our degree of separation. Uh, that means our episode two, a season two, takes us to. Superman, baby. I'm excited. I'm excited for Superman. Uh, we may have to do a deep dive into the lore. This is our first, if you will, quote unquote, comic book movie, right? Comic inspired movie. I think. Uh, no, no, that's a lie. V for Vendetta? That is a lie. V yes. for Vendetta. Okay. Touche. I mean, it's a, yeah, no. It's a graphic it's novel, different. right? I mean, graphic novel. I mean, we'll allow it. They're not the same, same but they're same, but in different. the same like, maybe, maybe that's one of our challenges as we move forward. We have to include one comic-inspired <laughs> movie. Make it extra <laughs> oh my hard. Gosh. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, episode two, uh, we're jumping with Margot Kidder, taking us to Superman. And then from there, we're actually taking a slight turn. And I think our second degree is going to be Valerie Perrine, uh, who is also in Superman. Uh, and then we'll continue our season there. Do you ladies have any final Ooh. thoughts on the Amityville horror? No, but go watch horror films, everybody. <laughs> go watch horror films. Actually, let me close. Let me close with one <laughs> quick question here. We we got maybe like five minutes left, uh, assuming we have some kind of timeline that we follow. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> assuming we follow some kind of time structure here. Uh, do you? How do you guys feel about? supernatural experiences do you believe in them and do you have any experience you're willing to talk about my whole life i've had all kinds of weird experiences i've seen weird shit i feel weird shit sometimes i feel shit that's happening in other parts of the country or world even that as it's happening Mm. i have like dreams that like have i have premonitions in my dreams and like i know what's happening Mm. And it's just random. Like, I don't think about it. I don't know it's going to happen. It just pops into my head, like, random Does thoughts. that ever feel like deja vu? Like, oh, I felt this somewhere, like, right? Oh, a ton of, a ton. Yeah. That that ties it. I think that memories and dreams and, like, 
your premonition and your ability to sense things, I think it all it's all connected. Erica? Yes and yes. <laughs> but, but nothing you want to jump into. Um, Does talking about it activate anything? You know? Um, it, uh, I, I'm going to say yes in a way that it's like, when you're talking about it, it kind of like activates that part in your brain that like, okay, now like you're a little bit more aware of like that you can do those things. And then yes, you do become like a little bit more hyper aware of like things that are falling, like going on around you. Um, my neighbor, um, she, rest in peace, she committed suicide quite a long time ago, maybe like 15 years ago. Okay. Um, and I've seen her. I've seen her next door. I've seen her ghost. Really? Um, and don't tell me how I know it was her because it didn't look like her, but I knew it was her. What did it look like? Yeah. What did it? What did? What'd you see? She was just younger. She was just a happier version of herself. Interesting. Because um, I don't mm. think she obviously she committed suicide. She wasn't right. had stuff going sure. on. So I don't think that in that age and form she was most happy. So I think that I saw her when she was in her most happiest form. And I've seen her a few times. Um, I've talked to her a few times. Okay. Um, okay. That's as, that's as deep as I'll get. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do believe in the supernatural. I do believe that um, there are people who have gifts in this world. Um, I don't want to say mine's like mm-hmm. super crazy, like up in that ability, but um, yeah, I believe in mediums. I believe in that teeter totter, like in that, yeah, I believe in heaven and hell. Believe in all of that. Believe in astrology and shitting on Aquarians. Got it. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just I'll just say my one. Aquarius men. Aquarius oh, men. Okay. Twenty twenty one, Erica. You can't attack us like that. We have rights. <laughs> um, I'll just say one. I, I so I, I think Erica. I don't know if you knew me back then, but I used to be very into church and very Christian. I think I might have met you like just towards the end of that or something. Anyways, um, so I was very spiritual in that regard. Like I didn't cuss. I cut up all my worldly music. It was it was wild times. I I remember breaking my Bone Thugs and Harmony CD. Oh my god, it hurt so bad. Oh my Dude, god! I, rem- I was at I was at uh what what what's- Mount Sac? I was at Mount Sac picking someone up from church, and <sighs> anyways, nonetheless, one day uh, during this time, I was at my grandmother's house. I was sleeping on the couch. There was a candle on in front of me, and just beyond the candle, I could see like a two and a half foot, three foot silhouette of something. It's just like a silhouette of a being. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm tripping. I've been looking at this candle too long. Something's not right. Uh, so I rub my eyes and I look away and I blink and all these things. And I look and it's still there. And then you get that kind of deep, unsettling feeling in your stomach. Like, uh, something's not right. Mm-hmm. You get used to it. Okay. Well, at that time, yeah. that was one of the, <laughs> that was one of the first, I don't, I don't frequent uh, spirits as often as you, Erica, but at that time, um, I remember feeling really uneasy and then this silhouette eventually turned around and walked down the hall to my grandmother's room and it's around that time my grandmother started having heart trouble she had to get a defibrillator so I kind of is that the Grim Reaper? I, 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 some, I don't know 
I do think that there's some kind of incorporation to like, you know, the spirit world and our physical health, our physical, mental health, physical, like, I think there is a, a correlation there. Um, with that being said, I haven't experienced anything recently. I don't know if it has to do again, like your mind becomes susceptible because of your belief, because of whatever. Um, sleep paralysis, I have experienced. You guys know that one? Yeah. Same. Yep. Yeah. I've had that. Erica, yeah. I have this weird thing where I lay I lay down at night or not even at night. Sometimes I just lay down and I feel my bed just moving like mm. like just shaking a little bit, like little movements all the time. And my brother feels it too. Mm. And it's like very subtle, but I have feel you, it. Have you guys seen that uh I think it was on Netflix called The Nightmare? Right? Yes. Is that what it's called? I I can totally relate to that. All that shit I've seen and if, if you guys haven't before. seen The Nightmare, it might still be on Netflix. Um, it pretty much is like a docudrama reenactment about sleep paralysis. Yeah. And if you've ever experienced anything like it, it's fascinating terrifying. and terrifying that so many people experience the same exact thing. Like yes, the- that guy they described <laughs> with the hat. I see the, him. The, the silhouette I'm talking about is like him. that, but just shorter just so the little version um so yeah hopefully this discussion has activated the spirit world to all of our our one listener and uh is ready to em- embrace <laughs> embrace what comes excuse me <laughs> i'm gonna have to do some cleansing yeah, here just get, we'll do some yeah i got <laughs> some sage, sage here i'm about to burn 100 percent. uh nonetheless thank you guys for listening or uh following along the Amityville Horror. If you've never seen it, do watch it. You'll understand kind of the foundation is set for other horror movies to come. And our boy Brolin, fantastic job. I can't wait to get back to him and catch me catch me if you can uh, towards the end of yeah. our season, our season finale. Anything else, ladies? No. no. All good. Save the bees. No save the bees shout out. Always oh, yeah. leave the bees. Always. <laughs> All right, everyone, take care. Do what you can to save the planet. Oh man, don't it? That's, that's a whole another podcast that we can go down for another hour. Yeah, on its own. 116 <laughs> degrees in Portland two weeks ago. Anyways, take care, everyone. Be safe. Look what you made me do. I made you do. There's a week's worth of groceries rolling down the walk. Wait a minute till I finish this stuff. George, finish? You have got enough wood here to heat the whole South Shore.